Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Morning, Rhino. Howdy, howdy. It is a Tuesday. We have uh, made it to day two of this, the last full week of the month of April. Moving right along through the year, aren't we? And it feels springy outside. Yeah, it's nice out there today. little chance of precip moving into the area the next couple of days, I believe. But it is April, so we expect that. Made the junket up 55 to DeSoto County last night. Enjoyed the annual DeSoto County Republicans Reagan Day dinner. A lot of fun. A lot of good folks there. Well attended. The Landers Center, folks, if you haven't been there, really nice facility, by the way, in South Haven. Um, Congressman Trent Kelly, the keynote speaker, delivered a rather fiery speech. You expect that out of the congressman, though. He's been on our program many times. We can get him fired up. Good man, though. Enjoyed that and always enjoy the mingling and visiting with friends and those in the political realm that share common interests. I noted that candidates for lieutenant governor were on hand. Lieutenant governor, the incumbent, the present lieutenant governor, Delbert Hoseman, being challenged by Chris McDaniel, also Shane Quick is a challenger, ran into him as Mr. Quick as well. And you remember Ron Eller, who's been on the program before, ran for Congress in District 2, the district presently, the seat held by Congressman Benny Thompson. He informed me, and he intends to run again. Good luck, uh, Mr. Eller. I would be pleased to see a change there. It's a tall order, but look, you got to give folks the props when they Keep on jumping in the fire there, honestly. It takes time. It takes money. Especially when you know that the numbers aren't quite favorable to you in that situation. My hat goes off to everybody, honestly. I don't care who you are. You're willing to put yourself into that, into the ring, as they say, 
where every move and every word is closely scrutinized. The man in the arena. Yeah, that is it. So, a good overall good event, though. Really uh, enjoyed that. Ran into, of course, Commissioner Andy Gibson, Secretary Michael Watson, Attorney General, Secretary of State, that is, Attorney General Lynn Fitch, State Treasurer David McRae, all on hand. The, the governor, I believe, had a conflict, but First Lady Ely Reeves was present. Um, and, of course, all the DeSoto County and the North Mississippi, typically those who represent that area, or our candidates at the municipal, county, and state levels. A good bit of those were in attendance as well. So it's, it's just good to see. Lots of interest. And Trent did a good job, Rhino, of reminiscing about Ronald Reagan. Of course, that's what the event's all about. And he talked about voting for the president. I clearly remembered that as well, him, him running, and what a contrast he was to uh, Jimmy Carter at the time. And then when he ran for re-election, carried uh, every state. Think we'll ever see that again, except one, that being Minnesota, the home of his Democrat opponent. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Believe the last time a Republican carried California, eh? Yeah. Uh, right. I think that's what history tells us. So, uh, but a lot of fun. Just wanted to point that out. And thanks to the good people of DeSoto County for always uh, being such gracious hosts. Even for those of us from Madison County that make the trek that way. It's an easy drive, though. And the weather was nice. We enjoyed it. A couple of friends... Uh, boarded up with us, had a lot of fun. So, are you? A, would you consider yourself a tidy housekeeper? Are you organized at the house? I mean, not particularly, no. So, would you consider yourself messy, or no, just kind of pretty much middle? in the middle? Okay. Well, there are a lot of people. I admit, I'm OCD when it comes to that. I like to clean. My wife, by the way, fabulous cook. We've kind of have a deal. 42 years, she cooks, I clean, and I like to do the gardening outside as well. She washes, by the way. I can't do that. She doesn't even want me near that equipment for fear that I might ruin some clothing. (laughs) It's a good deal. But the cleaning, I admit, I'm a little OCD when it comes to that. Well, according to a Loyola University of Chicago professor, Jenna Denton, About a month or so, she said that users posting videos showing off different ways to organize pantries and kitchens, she noted they're predominantly white women, and they've created a new status symbol to replace the old one of nice houses, nice yards, and nice neighborhoods. She said (laughs) cleanliness has historically been used as a cultural gatekeeping mechanism to reinforce status distinctions based on vague understanding of niceness. Nice people with nice yards and nice houses. 
What lies beneath the surface of this anti-messiness, pro-niceness stance is a history of classist, racist, and sexist social structures. So if you keep a tidy kitchen, a tidy pantry, you're classist, racist. It sounds like they need to talk to their therapist about the chores they were forced to do when they were a kid. <laughs> The professor. They're really, they're really equating keeping a nice, tidy, labeled kitchen <laughs> I'm not with even. racism and a white picket fence and a nice house and a nice yard. So get the pantry porn, as she calls it, as a status symbol relies on the promise of making daily domestic work easier. <laughs> Overpriced burnt coffee from Starbucks is a status symbol. That's right. Driving a brand new Bentley is a status symbol. Having your own <laughs> private jet is a status symbol. Being organized in the kitchen is nothing to do with status. <laughs> she says, magazines like Good Housekeeping were once the brokers of idealized domestic work. Now, online pantry porn sets the aspirational standard for becoming an ideal mom, ideal wife, and ideal woman. This grew out of a shift toward an intensive mothering ideology that equates being a good mom with time-intensive, labor-intensive, financially expensive care work. <laughs> uh, okay, folks. Following is a list of everything does not have some racial undertones. Oh, there are none. Everything is. The entire world is. <laughs> That's right. Crickets. I mean, seriously, now keeping a tidy kitchen in a pantry is racist. Will you please tell me what's not racist? You can't find anything. Who dreams Any up this crap? Any politician with a D by their name. <laughs> what do you they want to bet? They can say the most outlandish, race-baiting, dog-whistle <laughs> nonsense true. in the world and get away with it. <laughs> what do you want to bet that Professor Drenton here at Loyola University, Chicago, I'm just going to guess has tenure and makes at least a quarter million a year. What do you think? To Probably. Do, to do what? Spew this to nonsense. whinge and moan and complain about how life not fair. <laughs> oh gosh, we're stepping aside in the Element Well Studios. Get the professor their binky. Give him a warm bottle. <laughs> when we return, Roger Barrett, captain of the Patriot Guard Riders of the Mid South, will tell us about taking U.S. Army Sergeant First Class Ellis Coon home to Macomb after 72 years. Coming right back. With Gerard Gibbert. What? What? This is so awesome. 
on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays from the Element Well Studios, Super Talk Mississippi. Our guest now, Roger Barrett, captain of the Patriot Guard Riders of the Mid South. Morning, Roger. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yes, sir. Gerard, how are you today? Doing fantastic. So tell us about Army Sergeant First Class Ellis Kuhn coming home. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I got a call yesterday morning and. Uh, and they come through national that uh, SFC Coon had been, uh, his remains had been found, and he was coming into the New Orleans airport today at 145. Wow. Uh, so got busy, and we got him. Uh, well, Louisiana is going to bring him up to the state line, and we're going to escort him into Macomb, um, where he'll be buried Saturday afternoon. And. Um, SFC Coon was a prisoner of war, is that correct, Roger? Yes, he was. He he went to Korea in, in uh, 1950. He was was uh, Charlie Battery 503rd Field Artillery Battalion, 2nd Infantry Division. And uh, he was reported missing in after December 1st, 1950. Uh hmm. After his unit had been in a big battle, but anyway, they uh, of course put him in a prisoner of war camp, and uh, and uh, in or around February fourteen fifty one, his he died because of mal malnutrition and lack of medical care, and uh, the army issued him or more or less. Mission in action or KIA at that time, and uh, and in 1956, his uh, remains were declared non-recoverable. Hmm. In 56. So yes. Wow. That was what war was over with in 52. So that was four years after the war was over with in 52. So Roger, how does this come about? Are, are there uh, American Organizations, uh, Department of Defense, military, what have you, that are that are actively searching for remains. Uh, yes, they are. There are that you know, DPAA. You know, just last week we had a World War II that we brought home and we buried, and Louisiana's got they buried a World War II yesterday, so they're very active right now. Mm -hmm. uh, now. In uh, 93, North Korea uh, turned over 34 boxes of remains that were presumed to be Americans mm -hmm. that had died in Korea. And out of those uh, 34 boxes, he was in a prison camp they called Number 5. And these boxes were bound around this uh, prison camp. And uh, they sent all of that to Hawaii, 
at that time, they were put in what we call the punch bowl. But then later on, uh, I think it was like 2017 maybe or somewhere in there, they want uh, DPA released, I guess you'd say, the funds to go over there and recover some of those remains and start identifying them and seeing if they can find them, uh, find out who they were and send them home. But through DNA and other things, uh, it was found that uh, SFC Coon was in one of those boxes. So uh, his family, and that's another thing, Gerard, he has no family. Uh, his wife, uh, he married his wife a month before he shipped overseas. Uh, the funeral home director told me yesterday that she had passed away many years ago. Of course, they didn't have any kids. He's got one known, uh, I guess, I don't know how close he is, but he's got one known relative that lives down there around Macomb. And uh, other than that, the funeral home director said they know nobody that uh, hmm. is left for him. So uh, we're going to escort him this afternoon to Macomb and, go back uh, Saturday and bury him, and we're going to be his family. So, uh, Roger, how, you, uh, how many will be in um, in the group that's escorting from your organization? Uh, it's hard to say, Dwarf. I, you know, uh, we had, uh, I'm hoping to have at least 20 or 30. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know till we get there. Sure. Uh, and then Saturday we'll have a good group down there too. They're going to do a visitation Friday night from five to seven, but uh, Saturday uh, they'll just do the service at two o'clock, and he'll be buried in Hollywood Cemetery in Macomb. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Roger, who who covers the cost of the funeral, the cemetery plot? all the other services how does that how's that handled well the u.s government pays for that because of being a vet that's right yeah. because he was killed in action sure okay see he's actually until uh more or less till we bury him uh killed in action he was still presumed to be a part of the united states army i see i got you and will so will the Patriot Guard riders? Will you actually um, meet the remains at the airport in New Orleans? How how does that work? Well, we've uh, we've got a group in in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They're going to rem- they'll meet his remains this afternoon. Okay. Uh, they'll be I think six Louisiana Highway Patrol. They will escort him to. Uh, the welcome center down there, at Mississippi, down at Osaka, uh-huh. and uh, then we'll get him from there and bring him on up to Craft uh, Dillon Funeral Home there in Macomb. Oh yeah, okay, I see that in the press release, right? And uh, then we'll be down there Friday night and put out flags, and then we'll be back Saturday. And uh, for his funeral, and we'll escort him to the cemetery. Right, I understand. Uh, now the army is supposed to have with him being JIA. The army will 
be with us, or they should be at the airport and get him. You know, he'll they'll do an honor uh, sure. guard thing off when they get him off the plane. Sure, and um, then they'll be with him. His remains all the way to Macomb, and then they'll be back, of course, Friday and Saturday. But they'll be his. Uh, you know, they will be uh, his pallbearers and all that for the funeral. Right. Uh, if they're not, then uh, uh, they're not there. Then we'll be his pallbearers. So. I see. I see. Are, are the nation of North Korea, for example, Roger, are, are they cooperative in the efforts to try to locate who's still missing? Americans? Um, Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, We've had several uh, Korean War vets returned over the last year, but now Gerard, uh, when President Trump went over there to North Korea, uh, whatever year it was, was several years ago, and they talked and all that, right after he went over there, that North Korea started turning releasing American bodies. I see. Or remains. So, well, um, just like I said, I think it was 2017 when uh, they released a lot of them, you know, but still. uh, They're not as cooperative now as as they have been. I'll put it that way. So, I understand. Uh, but now a lot of countries, just like uh, Korea at one time, uh, and I think maybe Vietnam, they they want money for remains. Huh. You wow. Know, so actually pay to get our own people back. Wow. Unbelievable. Roger, appreciate what you guys do. And... Um, we, uh, we extend our deepest gratitude to Army Sergeant First Class Ellis Kuhn for his service to our nation in Korea and uh, hated that he had to um, endure what he did as a prisoner of war, but I'm glad he's coming home and appreciate your efforts to help make that happen. Oh, yes, sir. It's, uh, it's our honor. Uh, appreciate it. I hope uh, our areas that we... We get them all home. Yes, sir. This is where they belong. Yes, sir. Thank you. We're coming right back. Stay with us, folks. Mississippi. And it's time for Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Back in the Element Well Studios, 
So we've got Dr. Catherine Panel on the program at 12.05. April is Stress Awareness Month. Be aware. Wants to talk to us about that. So have you seen this, a recent study, that French fries can lead to depression and anxiety? You think so? French I fries. I would argue just the opposite. Uh, me too. I'm not Bad sure. Bad fries can lead to depression <laughs> That's and anxiety. That's true. Cold, soggy fries can yeah. lead to depression and anxiety. Yeah, it's a new study. Hot, fresh fries with plenty of salt. Yeah. That'll put a smile on your face. <laughs> I agree. Especially if you're hungry. I agree. They, um, you can get a craving sometimes, can't you? Just, oh, just, yeah. Got to have some French fries. Just Especially for some. like a specific type. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll get a craving for curly fries. Okay. Is there a particular place you like to get those? I curly mean, fries? Where there's not a Hardee's anywhere really close, so right. I usually have to substitute with Arby's. Okay. Well, those are good. A research team in Hangzhou, I think I said that right. Maybe it's Hangzhou, China. Or Hangzhou. It could be found that frequent consumption of fried foods, especially fried potatoes, was linked with 12% higher risk of anxiety. How the hell do they measure that? Have some fries. Are you anxious? Are you stressed? <laughs> How do you figure that out? It was probably the people asking the questions making them anxious because they were from the government. That's true. You will answer the question about the potatoes or you will pay. <laughs> Off with your head. <laughs> They said that this study evaluated 140,728 people over 11.3 years after they excluded participants diagnosed with depression within the first two years, a total of 8,294 cases of anxiety and 12,735 of depression were found in those that consume fried food. How do they measure that? Do you feel depressed? <laughs> I'm thinking maybe the anxiety comes from not really knowing how to lower things into hot grease. <laughs> that can always cause a little bit of anxiety if you never quite figured out the whole lower it slowly and release away from you. That could be. You're afraid of the hot splashes. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> On the ceasefire text line, that's 601-879-4395 if you'd like to join the conversation. Andy and Jackson says, uh, hold my beer hooked to biggin. What's he talking about? What I missed there? Maybe he's fishing while listening. Oh, that was this morning. Yeah, I went a little too deep on the text line. That was 9 o'clock. What were they talking about at 9 o'clock this morning? I don't know. Gallo Show. Congressman Trent Kelly is tough as a woodpecker lips. Growing up in Neshoba County will have that effect on a man on the ceasefire text line. Yeah. Greg and Newton, you were talking about fuel yesterday. Filled one of my trucks up yesterday in Philadelphia, Mississippi. $501 for 131 gallons. Diesel, I'm assuming, huh, Greg? Wow. She was. Do these people get up every morning and take a handful of stupid pills? I think that's in reference to the <laughs> the tidiness of one's pantry and kitchen being considered racist. What is it? Racist, sexist, and something else. I'm what sure are... there's a misogynist somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, classist. And it's a status symbol. <laughs> status symbol. 
My job, this is on the 662, my job takes me inside a lot of houses in a six-county area. My experience has shown that race has zero to do with who keeps up a clean house. Well, not according to the professor there, Ken. You can't, you can't disagree. This is a college professor. They're all-knowing, aren't they? I'm telling you, I bet it's quarter million dollars a year for this crap. My wife has decorations for every occasion, and I just walk carefully. I guess we're all racist. That's a nice photo there that the C Spire text line president-elect sent us. Nice-looking house. Oh, I understand. That's okay. Change the decorations depending on the season there. No problem. Huh? Did y'all see where the cows had their tongues uh, surgically removed? Man, that's so racist, says CC in Senatobia. What I missed there? Uh, there were, I believe, six cows found dead in Texas, and their tongues had been removed, soft tissue around their mouth, and the other end had been removed, some reports say, in a perfect circle to make it sound extra paranormal, but the sad reality is, we don't know what killed the cows, but we know what took their tongues and backsides. Those are flies. They, they tend to eat the softer tissue first. There's no real big conspiracy or mystery about that that's been solved for over a decade now uh, it's not the chupacabra okay gotcha interesting let's see here what is uh gary in the berg saying arkansas governor sarah sanders has signed a bill banning parole for rapist murderers and human trafficking interesting human traffickers we need to do the same in mississippi if we haven't already I'm sorry to say, I don't know about parole eligibility for those who commit those crimes in Mississippi. The failed public safety status quo ends today in Arkansas. So, well, I, I hear you, Gary, and it sounds reasonable to me. I'm in the camp that says, for the most part, these people, many of whom, many cannot be reformed. In the state of Mississippi, yep. while the majority of the prison population will be eligible for parole, people convicted of the following offenses will remain ineligible for parole. They include drug trafficking, human trafficking, capital murder, first and second degree murder, sex offenses, crimes that specifically prohibit parole release, including possession of a controlled substance in a correctional facility, and people sentenced under habitual sentencing laws. Sounds like we already have that then, right? Thank you yep. for that. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So, Mo says, what else did you expect from a predominantly white, rich, liberal party school? <laughs> Touche, Mo's talking about Loyola University in Chicago. I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess it's 60 grand a year to go to that school. I bet if you look it up, tell us what you find. If Hazel were cleaning the house, <laughs> that may be a status symbol, says Reese Clarksdale, referring to Hazel of the, what, 1960s sort of sitcom. What Average annual cost for Loyola University, Chicago, before aid, $65,788, according to the U.S. Department of Education. Hey, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it ain't hard to guess, though, honestly, is it, anymore? Sixty grand, so sixty-five, right? Sixty-five, seven eighty-eight. Okay, so that's the median household income in these United States. 
But and he's right, Mo's right. So likely dominated by left wing activists, professors, and administration. I got some stuff to share later, folks. This crap that's going on on America's college campuses, I don't think gets a lot of attention. That is ground zero for the Marxist movement in this country. Uh, Our college students across the nation are absolutely being indoctrinated and it's a hold my beer deal every single day. And it's a shakedown because there's an enormous amount of money being spent on all this crap. And you wonder why the cost of college is so expensive. It's because there's a whole lot of money that goes to everything but preparing you for a career and a life after college. Let's be honest. My grandfather, James Kwong, was found last year in the same manner. This is on the ceasefire text line in Korea and brought home to be buried in Arlington. He was MIA in 1950 from Patrick. Appreciate you sharing that with us, and thanks uh, to your grandfather, James, for his service to our nation. That seemed just incredible. What really aggravated me, and you could tell that Mr. Barrett was a little agitated, to say the least, at this, too. These countries are shaking down the United States? Money? To return remains of dead warriors? Are you kidding me? But yet, the left in this country points to this country as being inhumane. So does all the other international organizations. Oh, it's that U.S. They're so inhumane. Surely we wouldn't charge for the return of remains if we happened to have them in our possession, would we? Please tell me. This country wouldn't do that. My gosh. Is that just not basic human decency and morality? Unbelievable. It's time for a break here. We got to play Joe Biden's announcement. You know, he's running for president of these United States. Made it official today. We got the, uh, the video for you. We'll share. We're coming right back in the Element Wealth Studios. Come on, come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back. Super Talk Mississippi. That, of course, in honor of the great Harry Belafonte, passed away. 96, right? 96 years old. Man, also a bit of an activist, certainly in his later years he was, but may he rest in peace, great Harry Belafonte. Okay, Joe Biden says, I'm running for president, and I'll just let you listen. Here's this uh, little announcement here. Freedom. 
personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. Cutting Social Security that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy. Dictating what health care decisions women can make. Banning books and telling people who they can love. All while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. president four years ago I said we're in a battle for the soul of America and we still are the question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom more rights or fewer I know what I want the answer to be and I think you do too this is not a time to be complacent that's why I'm running for re-election because I know America still a country that believes in honesty, respect, and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Thank you for choosing Thank us. You. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. This is our moment. We, the people, are not inside. God love you. <laughs> so if you're with me, go to JoeBiden.com and sign up. Let's finish this job. I know we can. Because this is the United States of America. There's nothing, simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together. Yeah, let's finish the job of contouring the nation into a shadow of its former self. Because that's what he's been doing since he's been in office. Of course, at war with the MAGA Republicans. What you notice is not a word touting his accomplishments, because there ain't none. This is all, the entire campaign, I'm telling you, is going to be focused on how bad the other guys are. Not how great I am, and what I did, and what I will do to make your life better. It's that fundamental Ronald Reagan question. Are you better off than you were four years ago, referring to Jimmy Carter, who sailed the nation over the cliff, honestly, over the, the waterfall? And here we got this guy running again. Not a, I didn't hear anything in there about how he made American life better. 
He's going to focus on... It's because he didn't. Right. He's going to focus on exactly what Trump should not focus on, and that's the last election. He will focus on January 6th. End of democracy! That's what he'll do. What Trump should focus on is, life was really better under me, right? That's what he ought to do. Let's get that. Let's get back to where we were. And, and what Biden is telling you there is, you don't have an opportunity. You can't vote. You can't read the books you want to read. You can't get abortion on demand. That's what he's telling you. And those Republicans are going to cut Social Security and Medicare. And then he, of course, conflates and confuses that with tax cuts for the rich, which have nothing to do with income taxes with Social Security and Medicare. He won't explain that, though, because he doesn't understand it, let's be honest. It is time for a break. We'll continue this discussion on the other side of Fox News and Super Talk News. It's middays in the Element Well Studios, and we're coming right back. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Joe Biden, approval rating right now, 41% approved. This is an NBC News poll, 54% disapproved. His economic vision, I think, faces a new test in 2024. His economic vision, of course, is tax and spend, tax and spend, tax and spend. Um, So Thompson Greenwood says that he thinks we'd be a lot better off today if Trump had just gracefully accepted defeat in 2020, that the Republican showing in the midterms in 2022 would have yielded better results, and that the economy would be in better shape because Republicans would have been able to oppose Democrat legislation, rather than contending with the January 6th situation. Well, except Thomas, all those, all those measures that affected the economy were enacted in 21. So what that means is that 2020 would have needed to yield a different outcome in the House and the Senate. That was before Trump started complaining about losing the election and having it stolen and it being rigged and so forth. I really felt like two years before the election that Trump was going to struggle getting reelected before COVID. I just did. 
And again, it's simply based on this. That, as I've said before, it's a dozen or so counties where the White House has decided. It's really been reduced to that. Maybe a few more, but it's three or four states. Because all the rest of them, pretty much in the books before you ever cast the first ballot. The way our system works. It's not like if he would have just campaigned harder in California, he would have carried their 55 electoral votes. No, that ain't going to happen. The Democrats just have a, a leg up because they carry the populated coastal states. And Republicans rely on the collective count of all of the middle states, if you will. And then it comes down to three or four where Trump prevailed in 2016. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona. That's what it comes down to. Now Georgia is in that category that we've seen. So maybe that could have had a different impact on the midterms, possibly. I don't think the Senate set up well, honestly, the seats that were up for re-election to um, shift control to the Republicans. It does set up better in 24. But at this point, it looks like Trump is the odds-on favorite to win the nomination. I think he has the best chance of succeeding if he stays away from 2020. I will note, in most of his interviews, he has. I think somebody's advising him. It's probably not a winning strategy. Because you've got to capture a squishy independence that go either way. Recent polls show 63%, by the way, of independents will not support Trump. Not surprised. Now, could that be turned around? Sure. But that pretty much signals the likelihood of a second term for Joe Biden. And of greater concern, Joe Biden can't serve out his term, which yields President Kamala Harris. That is of concern. And if we thought we had a fool in the Oval Office now, right? wait till Giggles gets in charge. <laughs> Giggles. So what's amazing is, uh, I found, it's, it's fascinating, is that left-leaning prominent newspapers this morning, the New York Times and Washington po- the Washington Post, let me read the headlines. Here's from the Times. How Democrats learned to cast aside reservations and embrace Biden 2024. The Washington Post. Democrats reluctant about Biden 2024, but they see no other choice. Wow. The Hill, how Biden has avoided a serious primary challenger. Interesting. So, it's almost like, well... Gee, I wonder how they did that. Let's see. Uh, The DNC said they're not having any debates. That That's is true. Probably a pretty big factor in that. That is true. They they announced no debates. It's going to be another campaign from the basement. Because you put stumbling, bumbling Joe behind a podium, and you put somebody like 
RFK Jr. behind the opposite podium, that's not going to look good for the sitting president. Exactly. Greg and Newton points out. Notice he didn't do it in public either. He can't. It was a, a video. Now, you know, there's some really talented media people, campaign people, that can produce good videos. That video, honestly, makes him look a thousand times better than he truly is. And honestly, most campaign videos do. Most campaign materials do, regardless of political stripes. That's what they get paid to do. That's fine. But on the ceasefire text line, the same person that said that they're more educated than me pointed that out the other day, says, where's the lie? Keying in on my statement that that the president's video there stretches the truth, I'd call it a lie. And, and I think missed the point, specifically I was referring to Social Security and Medicare and, and tax cuts. He, he conflated the two, so-called tax cuts for the rich. And I'll just point out again, you can't t- cut taxes for people who don't pay any. All the tax cuts went to the wealthy because they're the people who pay all the damn taxes. That's just mathematical fact. Why do we have to keep making that point over and over again? You paid zero taxes. Cutting your taxes means, which is exactly what Joe Biden did, we're going to send you money. You're going to net money from the government, not net pay, outflow, net inflow. Where's that coming from? The people who had an outflow. That's just blatant redistribution. And, and what he conflates and is not being honest about is somehow that's causing a problem for Social Security and Medicare. No, those are totally separate funds that everyone pays into percentage of their wages. If you're self-employed, you pay what's called SE tax, which means you pay both the employer and employee share of Social Security and Medicare. Fact of the matter is, there's not enough coming in to pay the bills. And both of those programs are on a path to failure, which means nobody gets anything. And by 2028, Medicare trust fund has already said, we can't pay the bills in 2028. We can pay some of them. Doesn't mean zero, but Part A, the major part of Medicare hospitalization coverage, Medicare trust fund already said we can't make ends meet. We either got to cut the amount going out or get more coming in. I've explained this a gazillion times. It's pretty simple. It's no different than running your house. We'll see. I'm not able to make ends meet. I got to either get more revenue or I got to spend less or a combination. But every time they stand up, I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats and say, we're not touching it. Well, you're just basically issuing a death sentence to those programs. We're not going to touch them. Okay, well, then they're going to fail because it's politically toxic to do so. And, of course, the average person will hear that and say, Joe's right. If those rich people just paid more, we wouldn't have these problems with Social Security and Medicare. If the Trump income tax cuts, which didn't affect Social Security and Medicare, were just repealed, it'd fix everything. That's just not true. 
But that's the impression he's giving there. You know that's exactly what they're trying to do. Unfortunately, it works. Voters respond to that. Oh, those, those Republicans want to cut my Social Security and Medicare. No. The clear-eyed, rational, practical Republicans say, we got to do something. Same thing applies to PERS here in this, in this state. You can just keep ignoring it, and then one day, there ain't going to be no PERS checks. It's just simple math. Wow. Incredible. Grand Funk Railroad, great tune there, bumping us out. Coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now, onto the real part. Dynamite! On Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well Studios. Dr. Catherine Panel at 12.05, talking about April Stress Awareness Month. I'm stressed out after listening to Joe's video announcing his presidency. Ben from Madison asked, any word if McDaniel and Hoseman will debate? Uh, at this point, that does not look likely, Ben, is what I would say about that. I don't, I don't think um, that's going to happen. As of today, things could always change, of course. But uh, we'll, sh we'll see where the, all that goes. He also says, Dems are going to pound the abortion drum until it doesn't work. It has worked pretty well thus far. Agree? Yeah, because they couch it in fun phrases like women's health care instead of the right to murder a kid. Reproductive justice, remember. That's what the now National Organization of Women, that's the way they describe it. I made a decision, and now I've got to live with the consequences. Oh, the humanity. I played, um, I ran across again, I think we played it here on the show, and I don't remember the individual's name, but she was some pro-choice activist group, was on the Hill, and along with a medical doctor, and, they, and I, I, there was a Republican member of the House, the, the guy from Louisiana, his name escapes me, um, but he's, he's frequently on the news doing interviews. Uh, and just asking uh, various questions about uh, abortion and views on whether or not a baby in the womb has a right to life and stuff like that. And this person very arrogantly continued to answer every single question thusly, said, I do not believe a woman should be forced to have a baby. Like, wait now, that's not what we're saying here. But just kept saying that over and over and over again. It's because the left doesn't actually do any thinking. They just do regurgitating. <laughs> Seems like it. Chris from Oxford says, just makes me sick to my stomach listening to his lies. They blame it on Republicans. Divide the country. When is When are these idiots that have divided us more than any other time in history made us weak. 
I I tend to agree with you. It, it is. We were told that this guy was going to be moderate and stabilize the country, and you heard him even say, "Revive the soul of the nation." And the Democrats told us we needed him to unite us because Trump was such a divider. I would say just the opposite has occurred. That he's divided us. We're more polarized than we were, maybe than ever. Please don't play that again. I had to pull over and throw up on the ceasefire text line. If we don't change the laws on mail-in voting to prevent fraud, a dead person can be president, says Craig and Pascagoula. Well, so, Craig, serious question. You Do you not support the ability of an infirm person or someone who is um, deployed on military service? who vote by mail, should they not have the right to do so? See, it gets, it gets a little bit more complicated and nuanced than just say no mail-in voting. And I do believe it's quite possible to have mail-in voting be accurate. And I'm not in the camp that says, hey, if we just didn't have mail-in voting, Republicans would win every election, because you got to go back a long time, long before there was widespread mail-in voting to find a Republican who won the popular vote. Fact is, and if we don't come to grips with the fact and be honest about the fact that, unfortunately, the vast majority, not vast majority, but the majority of this country leans to the left. We can either just dismiss that and say, no, nah, it's just because of voter fraud, or we can be realistic about it and, and be instructed by that and take appropriate action to combat that and overcome it. That's my feeling about it. And again, I say, we're less than 3 million people here in Mississippi. We're 1% of the population. Get outside of Mississippi, folks don't think like we do. We're a bit unique. Not, not saying that in a bad way. I think it's a good way. I live here. I love it. I love the people here. I love bragging and boasting about it whenever I travel and, and did so in business. But I think we have to be, again, face reality and not just dismiss what's well, mail-in voting. We had mail-in voting in 2016, not to the extent we did in 2020. And Trump won, barely, honestly, against what I think is the worst candidate ever, Hillary Clinton. And I think folks were looking for someone to disrupt, and I think Trump effectively communicated and positioned himself as a disruptor, and he did. And that pulled the, again, those independents that are necessary in those four or five states to win the presidency. Uh, something else. Uh, folks, you remember what all I've done, CeCe and Stanatobia. I'm asking, y'all remember, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I'm running for four more years. Did I say that right? I'm Joe. Uh, you know the right thing, and I approve this message. Where's my ice cream? He actually said the other day, I don't want to be the president that's only known for wearing Ray-Ban glasses and liking chocolate chip ice cream. Did you see that? <laughs> Why would you even say that? Because he's a lost ball in tall grass. I know. Carol in Starville says, my biggest concern is election fraud. I, I just... I say again, Carol, it's not mine, honestly. My biggest concern is how do we effectively communicate a message from 
the right that resonates with the independence in the four states that we got to carry to win. Because you could have fraud in California all day long or New York, it ain't going to make a difference. And if, if that's the case, then why don't we win the popular vote, even before we had mail-in voting? We don't even come close. And this is, of course, the argument from the Democrats who say the president ought, ought to be elected by popular vote. And if that happens, we'll never win again. And I point out again, what's happening is kids in schools, not talking about here in Mississippi where we're a teeny tiny fraction of the population, I'm talking about in the big populated states, they're getting brainwashed with this message. And then they go to college and they get further brainwashing. And then they turn into voters, and they don't vote our way. We're The college campuses, I mean, poll after poll has shown this, like 96% of the professors are registered Democrats, continue to contribute to Democrat causes. That's where it's all happening. That's the generation that's coming up voting. Meanwhile, we're getting older and we're dying out. We're it's because Democrats are the party of irresponsibility. It's never your fault. It's never the consequences of your actions. It's never your own inadequacies. It's got to be somebody else's fault. <laughs> it, oh, exactly. It's, it's not the fact that you goofed off in class all the time and didn't pay any attention <laughs> and now you got terrible grades. It's because math is racist. Uh, yeah. I, it's the grievance industry. It's the it's the, the my favorite candidate Vivek Ramaswamy got no chance of women of uh, winning, but his book, Nation of Victims, he lays it out perfectly. He's so right about that Nation of Victims. On the ceasefire text line, maybe those programs need to die. You talking about Social Security, and Medicare? I assume so. Explain. Newsmax had people saying, "Oh, that uh, yeah." Susan Rice, you know, stepped down, chief policy advisor to to Biden. There's some that are speculating she may be the choice for vice president. I just don't see it. I really don't. I, I think it would be a political loser for Joe Biden to dump Kamala Harris. There would be so much backlash on that. And then pick up Susan Rice. Because remember, they don't look at qualifications intelligence, experience, they look at the what they are. You're just dumping one minority female for another, right? Did you see the other day that she was in an interview speaking somewhere, Kamala Harris, and she referred to the FDA as the Federal Drug Administration? Not the Food and Drug Administration, the Federal Drug. Did you know we had such an agency? The Federal Drug Administration. <laughs> oh, wow. And you got old Robert F. Kennedy nipping at his heels. We'll talk about that when we come back. You've got an incumbent president who's losing ground to a Robert F. Kennedy, a challenger, significant number in his camp. Coming right back. Stay with us.
FM.FM. Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, you get closer. The lights are going dim. The sound of the breathing has made the mood I'm in. We are back in the Element Well Studios. It's midday, Super Talk Mississippi. So, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, running for re-election 2024. Be here sooner than you think. Of course, we got statewide elections we got to get through. That being the odd year, 2023, comes up every four years. Ex-White House doctor Ronnie Jackson demands Biden take a cognitive test or drop out of the 2024 race. Wow. He has repeatedly questioned the 80-year-old president's cognitive ability. Will be 81 on Election Day, 24, seeking re-election. So... He says, we call on you to either resign immediately and renounce your bid for re-election or submit to a clinically validated cognitive screening assessment and make those results available to the public. Is, is that reasonable? Seems like it. Seems like it to me. You think he'll do it? I don't. No. I don't. There are a lot of concerns expressed by Americans. I mean, the vast majority, including Democrats, don't want him to run, but they can't find anybody else that they believe can beat Donald Trump. That's what it really comes down to. Because, again, it's that squishy middle. Which way would they go? They've already shown they would support Joe Biden. Jerry Baker, who happens to share my name, by the way, it's really Gerard Baker, Opinion columnist for the Wall Street Journal has a show called Wall Street Week that airs on the weekends on the Business Channel. He writes, yesterday, Biden's four more years sounds like a prison term. <laughs> That's what he called it. He, uh, he goes on to talk about the just lack of excitement around, oh my gosh, this is great. The Democrats aren't out in the streets celebrating his announcement for re-election. That's absolutely true. And he points out that no wonder Robert F. Kennedy, he calls him a crank candidate, a peddler of quack medicine and bad science, is running. He's got 14% of Democratic voters just getting started. And Marianne Williamson, also of the Moonbeam community, <laughs> she's got 5%. So combined, that's just under 20%. That means one in five people who supposedly voted for Joe Biden 
in the last election, in 20, are not in his camp in 24. One in five. That is significant. But that's where we stand right now. In the meantime, Donald Trump just continues to trash. I don't think this is wise politics on his part. Trashing DeSantis, but more importantly, takes big-time shots at the state of Florida. Basically describing the current state of Florida as disastrous. Really? The real DeSantis record is one of misery and despair, says Donald Trump. DeSantis has left a wake of destruction all across Florida, and people are hurting because he has spent more time playing public relation games. Really? Florida's despair? I don't know. I'd, I'd say Florida is kind of a model we should consider emulating at the federal level to a great extent. 700,000 people have moved into the Sunshine State over the last few years. I reckon they don't think it's a disaster full of despair. And a number of Florida members of Congress have indeed endorsed President Trump's re-election campaign. Hmm. So, he, the, the President actually said... <laughs> On the same day, later in the day, former president said he was in Florida, uh, the Republican Party of Lee County, Lincoln Reagan Denner, is what they call it, last week, said, I'm thrilled to be here with the proud, hardworking patriots of the great state of Florida. It's a great state, great place. Wait, I thought you just said <laughs> earlier that day, he, uh, he said that it's one of misery and despair. So which is it? So to those who say that I don't call out Republicans, I, I say again, no, I do. Because this is just fact here. That's all I'm doing here. I'm just sharing the fact. In the morning, he says misery and despair. In the afternoon, he says, great place, great people. I don't care what your party is. That's the point. Allegiance strictly to party without regard for fact and principle is a problem. People need to think, and I'm not be, being critical, I'm just being more suggestive. We need to think more independently, more critically, not just accept everything at face value and not just, hey, no matter what, that's my person. Now, that doesn't mean, because he said that, that if he were the nominee, I wouldn't support him. Of course I would, versus Joe Biden. But I might have to think about it in the primary, depending on who the opponents are. Speaking of tall orders, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, likely to put before the House of Representatives his plan to um, reach some sort of agreement on the debt ceiling, which is rapidly approaching, faster than thought. You know why? Because revenues, by the way, and spending up, revenues down. CBO reported yesterday. I'll share that in a second. But 
McCarthy has the ever so thinnest of margins in his camp, whipping the votes over the weekend, as we talked about yesterday, expected to perhaps put the bill up tomorrow. This would be his debt ceiling bill. Big test for the Speaker. Honestly, if the bill doesn't pass the House, serious failure on his part as the Speaker. Just to quickly, a rundown of what it calls for. It raises the debt limit by $1.5 trillion, but it rolls back spending to 2022 levels and then imposes a 1% cap on future spending. And it claws back unspent COVID-19 funds, rescinds the student loan payment relief, which still hasn't been settled, cancels IRS funding for new staff, that was $80 billion over 10 years, repeals many of the green tax credits in the Inflation Reduction Act, it enacts the RAINS Act to limit executive overreach, and then it passes what the Republicans in the House have deemed their top priority, the H.R. 1 energy bill, which would get the government out of the way of the traditional fossil fuels industry so we could produce more and bring the cost down. Totally agree with that. And be, to be clear here, this is really just working on the edges of spending. I mean, it, you think about student loans, well, that hasn't even gone into effect. It's, it's all future sort of spending. really doesn't touch the existing overspending practices in the federal government. And in fact, you know how Joe Biden runs around and brags about how he cut the deficit from $2.8 trillion, which was produced because of his Inflation Reduction Act in his first year, and then his second year, which was last year, cut it to $1.5 trillion, the deficit, or $1.4, and then brags about, I cut it by more than any president. Well, you, you raised it. You're the reason we had such an outrageous deficit to start with. And then, of course, he's bragging about how he stabilized it, stabilized it at $1.4 trillion in this fiscal year. Not so fast there, Joe. I reviewed a report, the latest monthly report from the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO. They're the guys that keep up with all these numbers. When we come back, I'll share with you what they're now saying about the 2023 fiscal year deficit. The fiscal year for the federal government ends at September 30th. I think Joe better go get his old calculator out again. He missed it again. Wonder, wonder what our listener says about that, who wanted to know where the lies are. I'm going to tell you where more lies are when we come back in the Element Well Studios. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live on Super Talk Mississippi. 
We are back in the Element Well Studios. Okay, so again, Biden boasting about cutting the deficit, a deficit which he created mainly through the American Rescue Plan. 1.9 trillion within two months, three months of being seated in the Oval Office. And of course, that was all due to COVID. Donald Trump ran the economy into the ground. We've got to rescue it. Here's 1.9 trillion. And then the helicopters launched. Just start dropping money everywhere. Inflation starts to rear its ugly head. And Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen and Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and all smart people in Biden's off uh, orbit from an economic perspective, it's transitory. Calm down. Two years later, it ain't transitory. Oh, I guess we missed that. It's exactly what's happening. Okay, so the CBO just out yesterday said the budget for the first half of fiscal year 2023, we just crossed that threshold, first six months. October, November, December, January, February, March, first six months. The deficit already 1.1 trillion. Six months. We're 400 billion greater than last year this time. What happened, Joe? You know why? Spending up 13%. Receipts down 3%. Now, former Fed board member Larry Lindsay, he's predicting a $1.75 trillion deficit, 7% of our GDP. $1.75 trillion on total spending of 5.8. 1.75 is in the red of 5.8. That's more than 30%. Unbelievable. It's a disgrace. So this is why it's important, despite what the Republicans say, uh, pardon me, the Democrats, there should be no strings attached. So you're okay with $1.75 trillion deficit? Apparently, because you will not come to the table to talk about any action to address that. You just won't. All you want to do is say, Republicans want to cut Social Security and Medicare. Make your life harder. It's because the low-information voters lap up every nonsensical BS bullet point they put out. So they're just playing political hot potato. So when it does all go kaput, they can just blame it on Republicans, and half the country, who's dumb as a box of rocks, will vote for them. Seems to be the strategy, sad as it is. It's crazy. Gary Meridian says, unless it has changed, deployed military as well as homebound elderly nursing home residents who were unable to access the polls vote by absentee ballots witnessed by a notary public. Uh, don't know that that's the case, uh, Gary. Still, still mailed in, though, still mail-in voting. Um, it's Lee Major's 84th birthday today. How about that? I didn't it's know today that. or was it yesterday? Oh, I don't know. 
I'm no expert on how it all Two works. Two days ago. Okay. 84. Wow. $6 million man. So it was on the ceasefire tax line says, maybe those programs need to die. And I asked the question, Social Security, Medicare, maybe not die, but all government programs need reform. Well, the whole government is nothing but a big program. I mean, everything in government's a program. Uh, and so I asked, how would you reform Social Security and Medicare? I'm no expert on how it works. However, I do think that the money we pay into Social Security could be invested into a 401k-type portfolio instead of paid directly to retirees. Okay, so you would transition it to a defined uh, contribution plan away from its current structure as a defined benefit plan, and that means you run out of benefits before you die, and then you die because you don't have any money coming in. So uh, unfortunately... While I'd like to see some shift to a defined contribution plan because defined benefit plans don't work, because they're not based on how much you paid in whatsoever. They're just based on, here's what we're going to give you until you die, and all the people that are paying in now that are working, they're paying for your benefits, not what you paid in. What you paid in paid for the people's benefits who were receiving them while you were paying into it. That's the way to define benefit plan works, so unfortunately that's not a solution. That won't work. Got to have more money coming in, less money going out, or a combination of the two. That's the only chance. Peter Frampton playing a little George Harrison while my guitar gently weaves. Dr. Catherine Panel is next. That's after Fox News and Super Talk News. We are in the Element Well Studios. talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well Studios. It's hour three, the afternoon portion of Middays. Super Talk Mississippi, Dr. Catherine Panel, Medical Director, Right Track Medical Group, our guest in the Element Well Studios. Dr. Panel, thanks for coming on. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. All right, so April is Stress Awareness Month. I'm not sure I knew that until I saw you coming in today. Tell um, us about that. I didn't that. know that until I was actually asked to be on here. I knew <laughs> okay. I do know that May was Mental Health Awareness Month, but okay. I did not know that. All right. So um, what are we stressed out about these days? I think the better question is what are we not stressed out about these days, <laughs> okay. whether it's... Shorter know, list. Ex- huh? Yeah, economics, politics, um, you know, name it, and we're stressed about it right now. And this can affect our health. Can it not? It can. You know, stress is a normal part of life. Um, you know, our bodies, when we're stressed, we go on high alert. But when the stress is removed, we are tend to recover. But chronic stress can lead to, you know, poor mental health and poor physical health. It can lead to hypertension, cardiovascular disease. Um, so, yeah, it can be debilitating. 
What do we need to do to manage it? So, yeah, lots of tips. Um, great tips on the CDC website, Mental Health America website. But, yeah, we do have to manage it, and there's several ways to management, manage it. And like I said, stress is it's normal. So, it, it, you know, we do have to find ways to manage it. Um, one of the ways is to, you know, in ways that you can control stress, you know, don't say yes to everything. Um, it's okay to... Hmm regulate to others to do things i know that's one of the hardest things for me is to say no to something because i'm scared the opportunity won't come back but sure um yeah you do have to say no put up boundaries um also self-care the theme this month for stress awareness month is actually emphasis on self-care so you've got to take care of yourself as well sure that's a good point uh a lot of us kind of have um sort of a personality where we want to just help people and don't say no and, but that can kind of add to your plate, increase the stress level, and in, in many cases, I think sometimes you take on the stress of others, which just uh, intensifies your stress level. Absolutely. Um, you know, prioritize things. I know for me, um, I'm very busy, but I prioritize. I, you know, do all the things I can in work, um, do all the things I can in advocacy, but, you know, my main focus is my kids, and so I let some things go that aren't as important. Yeah. You know, if you open my car door, trash falls out of the bottom of it. Um, my car's a mess, my house is a mess, but my kids are happy, and I'm able to do what I want to do and love to do. It's all about just prioritizing things that are important to you. Yeah, so stress at work is a is a big problem as well. And I caught uh, an article by Brian Robinson, Ph.D., founder and chief architect of Comfort Zones Digital. So this was in Forbes. So this specifically addressed stress at work. And uh, Dr. Robinson says you need to, to take, like, little five-minute meditation breaks during the business day. What do you think about that? I love meditation. I think it's great. And and it does. it's not a 30-minute all-consuming thing. Like, it literally can be done in five minutes. So you basically just, whether it, I mean, you, you step away from the stressor. Um, you can do things like breathing technique or just basically sit there in silence. But it's a time and a place for you to silence your mind. I know um, a, a lot of the breathing techniques are great. There's one called box breathing where you inhale for four seconds and you exhale for four seconds, and within five minutes you can just calm your mind and reduce your stress and anxiety. Well, that's interesting because, you know, uh, more modern training for athletes recommends, especially like in baseball. I coach baseball all the time, and we used to we used to teach the kids, take a cleansing breath before you step in the batter's box. And if you watch the major league players, uh, or you watch, let's say, basketball players when the camera's honed in on them there at the free throw line. You'll see them take a really big, deep, uh, cleansing breath to relieve stress because you can't really play athletics very well when you're stressed out, and you can't function at work very well either. That's right. Stress reduces concentration. Um, it just makes you unproductive. So just stepping back and taking a few moments to disconnect and free your mind, calm your mind, it can be very helpful. Research from scientists at North Carolina State, they, they recommend what they call micro-chillers. Micro-chillers oh <laughs> or micro-breaks throughout the workday. Now, I, I will confess, when I would get stressed out in business, if I were in my office, sometimes i just close the door and just stare out the window and just like nothing, kind of zone out mm -hmm. for two or three minutes just to try to relieve uh, some of that stress. 
Is that kind of what they're talking about here? I guess absolutely. When you when you said micro chillers, I didn't know where we were going. I thought maybe. I, <laughs> Must but no, I know. no, but no, yeah, micro back it breaks. Yes, it's just disconnecting for a few minutes. And you know, outside of nature is a great way to do it too. I I always envy the people that have an office with the window because it is just stare out, yeah. enjoy nature, just calm yourself. Yeah, golly, uh, money. How, how I mean I know you you deal with people a lot uh, in their various issues. How big a problem is money when it comes to stress? Well, right now it's huge. I mean that's one of the main stressors I'm seeing in people that come into my office. Um, but again, it's just you know setting a routine, setting a schedule. Same thing with money. If you set a budget and you followed that budget, that's one thing that you can control. A lot of anxiety comes from that feeling of being out of control. Yeah. Um, so it, if you can set a, a you know a schedule for your day or you can set a budget for your money that gives you that sense of control back and will automatically reduce your anxiety yeah so the american this was also noted in the forbes article the american psychiatric association says 26 of respondents that they polled anticipated there will be more stress this year i saw that and that their mental health will be worse well we're going in the wrong direction here yeah, I mean, I think we're just really in a time of turmoil. Um, you know, everything you see on the news is just so um, chaotic and stressful, whether it is bo- politics or if it's, you know, our resurgence in COVID or yeah. now it's fentanyl. Like, everything that we're watching, like, on social media and TV is stressful. And that's also important is to kind of disconnect from those as well. You know, take time to get your news in the morning, but then don't watch them constantly throughout the day because that's also very anxiety-provoking. I wonder how much uh, the difference could be attributed to just the fact that we have s- such of um, an abundance of information, just information overload. You, That's exactly you, you what just it can't is. even you can't walk around and not be just inundated with information. Mm-hmm. And that's why you got to step away from it, whether it's turning off the TV, getting off of Facebook, um, taking the time to go exercise, whether it's yoga, Pilates, you just have to disconnect from that. Is there value to uh, being around and maybe having open discussions with other people who are stressed, the same as, uh, for example, the therapy that Alcoholics and Alcoholics Anonymous uh, employees. Yeah, group therapy is great. It's nice to know that you're not alone in your thoughts, that what you're feeling others are as well. Um, and they can often provide solutions that you might not have thought about. So, group therapy is wonderful. So is individual therapy. And, you know, I always encourage everybody to do therapy. I don't think therapy should be there when you're breaking down. I think therapy is there to go, it's cathartic. Talk about your issues before you get to that acute crisis stage. Yeah. And of course, the the acute crisis stage could manifest itself in in harming yourself, even taking your life. And well, what should we be looking out for to make sure that the stress doesn't push us over the edge there? Well, if you've tried all the healthy coping mechanisms, whether it be setting those boundaries, exercising, the self care. Um, setting a schedule for the day and it's still just gotten too much and you are having thoughts that you just can't do it on your own you can't manage and you've lost your will to live that's when you really do need to start seeking out help from professionals it's it's gotten too big for you in that moment and there are people out there that can help you work through it got to speak up right uh-huh. right yeah and, and we now have the 988 system in america it, and you know mississippi's doing a great job with it which is essentially the 911 of mental health care so if you are in acute crisis you can always dial 988 go on your computer um, text, um, and there there are people there that are trained that can help you work through that crisis. And are we not starting to see more cases of this sort of acute stress occurring with uh, our our younger folks? 
Yeah, and you know, that's, you know, I've had these conversations with a lot of people, including like colleagues. I just feel like we are, there's kind of our generation, I don't know whether it's helicopter parents or, you know, you know, the participation trophy, whatever it is, whatever it is, I just feel like some of the youth in this generation have kind of lost their coping skills. And I need, I think we need to get back to the basics, you know, teach life skills and coping skills. Yeah. You know, there was um, an accounting student at Ole Miss that you may have seen that committed suicide. Yep. And I'm going to speak to the accounting school uh, next week. Um, And such a tragedy. And this person had all of their life in front of them and was very uh, well-rounded, successful student. Man, something just snapped. Right, and that's a very vulnerable population, especially the college population. But, you know, their brains are not fully developed. They're sometimes impulsive. Um, And, you know, we just have to talk to them and let them know that there is nothing – so big that you have to end your life for. Like we have to talk to them and let them know that there is help out there. Yeah, we got to reduce the stigma so that they'll seek it out. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your insight. Good to see. You. Uh, always good to see you. And thank you for letting me be on because this is how we do reduce stigma. So thank you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Yeah. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Super Talk Mississippi. Studios. It is midday, Super Talk Mississippi. Don't be stressed, dang it. I don't want to make you stressed. <laughs> I hope I'm not doing that. <laughs> we had a lot of people say they couldn't deal with Joe Biden's <laughs> announcement. It stressed them out. Oh, man. It's going to be fine. You got to be optimistic. Our best days are ahead. Sometimes people jump on me about that. No, they're not. It's over. Okay, you know what I always tell those folks? Well, then I tell you what. You go down to the local maternity ward and tell those parents of a newborn, it's over. Oh, that's really a comforting thought when you just had a child. I don't believe that. I really don't. I believe in the greatness of the country the resilience of the people, and even Joe Biden can't screw it up. That's what I believe. Why would you believe anything different? How could you function like that? And if you think about our economy and our economic future, if you believe that it's that catastrophic, Why invest? 
Well, capital is needed to keep the economy functioning, growing, produce opportunity, solve human problems, requires capital. Requires financial capital and human capital. And when they blend, great outcomes are yielded. Now, the president said, by the way, opportunity for all. And every time I hear that, Rhino, I think, well, what's precluding people from opportunity? I mean, it's, it's like the Republicans don't want to give you any opportunity. What do they mean by that? Your, your opportunity is being suppressed by Republicans. Because we oppose you aborting a child at nine months in the womb? They would argue, yeah, you're precluding opportunity. What do they mean? And, and every time they bring this voting stuff up, you literally would think that there's like armed militias out there that said, nope, you can't vote. Gun to your head. You're, you can't vote. Literally, that's the impression they give. Who can't vote? I'm still waiting for them to produce one person that said, no, they wouldn't let me vote. Have you ever seen them produce such a person? Never. But they say it daily as if it's just widespread occurrence. It's because they're full of it. It would just be nice if the everyday average American could see that. I mean, how how can you really take a guy seriously when he's discussing the soul of America when he raised Hunter Biden? That's very true. A crack-smoking, hooker-humping, hiding-from-his-own-kids loser. And, and I know you certainly can't... You can't hold a parent, I guess, 100% responsible for the the character of their offspring but you, you, you got to just wonder was this guy a a qualified parent i mean did he perform well as a parent all all parents have that feeling i think self-respecting parents have that feeling that yeah my offspring are a reflection of my upbringing. Now, I admit, you can just do what you can do, and you pray, you hope, you put them in position, your children, to turn out to be positive, productive, law-abiding adults. You just do your best at that. But you wonder when you got somebody like a Hunter Biden that's the antithesis of that. Was Joe Biden a failure as a parent? Maybe he was too worried about the power of being a U.S. Senator and a Vice President. You do wonder that. There are a lot of people, I think, good people, good people, who would be very good, very positive role models and effective legislators. I mean, at the state and federal level, that choose not to do so because of fear of how that might impact their families. They, they feel obligated to be available, accessible, during those critical years when they're raising children. And they know that 
that might be difficult to achieve, to attain, if they're, for example, in Washington. I, and I've seen members resign and not seek re-election for that purpose. I want to get back and be part of my family. You have to respect that. But in the case of Joe Biden, you just wonder, did was he concerned about how Hunter was turning out? I just can't believe he just became that way as an adult, magically. What, what was going on during his formative years? Did Joe Biden do everything possible as a father to ensure Hunter turned out to be something different than what he is? I think all those are, are reasonable questions to ask of someone running for president. One thing I think you'll have to give Trump, kids seem to be well-adjusted, balanced, productive adults. Don't see much. Oh, but they to, had the to temerity to go trophy hunting. Oh, geez. Okay. Unbelievable. Mm-mm-mm. You can't reward bad behavior, says Tim and McGee, like Joe has with Hunter. Well, that's true. That's a good point, Tim. You're right about that. He needs to be disciplined. Maybe that's what happened. He didn't get disciplined. You know, there's a lot of parents like that. They just want to be their friends. I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, they need a swift kick in the butt sometimes. You see that in public, do you not? Why is your child running around here like a hellion, disturbing everybody else, just in a public setting? Shopping, for example. Restaurant. Heck, I, I know when my children were small and they were irritable, late eating or something, and I just get up take them outside so they wouldn't disturb everybody. Box mine up, Julie, and I'll eat later. It's not unusual. Because you felt bad about them disturbing everybody else's peace. But there's some people who don't care. Like, it's your problem. That's just an example. Maybe I'm being too hard there. I don't know. But then you wonder, what's it like at home? Are they getting proper discipline? Or do they just have a run? Joe Biden must be doing a pretty good job as president when your number one complaint is how his son is. Of course you're leaving out the fact that he had a son who fought in Iraq. My number one complaint is his son? You don't listen very often, do you? My number one complaint is that the guy has absolutely harmed the American way of life. That's my number one complaint. He's polarized the country. His policies have had a severely deleterious impact on the economy. He's embarrassed us on the global stage. We're less secure. Crime is on the uptick. You may have seen this report, Rhino, that the, the Target store in San Francisco has now locked up all of its products in these cases. I mean, these are just standard household products that are typically available on the shelves for you to put in your basket and check out. Now they've locked them all up. I understand small, valuable goods that are maybe greater candidates for theft, but now they've locked up everything. That's America? That's Joe Biden's America. That's Democrat America. 
It's happening in Democrat-run cities across America. The border chaos? Unbelievable? Don't even get me started on the economy. So, why in the world would somebody think that my number one... I'm just pointing out that among his other liabilities. The other things that I have issue with. That's just one of them. That doesn't even remotely come close to the top of the list. And it's not just me. 89% of the people recently polled in an AP poll say, state of the economy, 80% poor, not so good. Direction of economy, 47% will get worse. Biden's economic performance disapproved 68%. Not just me. That means Democrats, too. Wake up, man. Tell me what's so great about the Biden economy. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Interrupt this program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. question what has Joe done to make your life better so again just starting with money because you can't ignore that you want to but you can't energy cost up 22.6% food cost up 18% the strategic petroleum reserve which is supposed to be a reserve of petroleum for emergencies, mainly to fuel our military, our defense, should we need it. That was the original purpose of it. Joe releases oil to try to bring down the price at the pump. How did that go, by the way? Everybody knew it. It was a minimal amount, but it's a lot relative to that which we store. It's a minimal amount to the world, because it's a global commodity. So he depletes it. Now he's got to replenish it at a higher price, of course. So when you look at that, and then you look at, okay, how have wages changed? Up 5%, not enough to keep pace with inflation. So are you better off? Interest rates higher, more expensive to purchase a house, a major acquisition that you have to finance, house, car, etc. That's all up. So how is it better from an economic perspective? Okay. Then let's, let's look at the border. Is the border more secure? Secretary Mayorkas says, oh, it's totally secure. He testifies to that effect. Crime is ravaging America's large cities in particular. Are we better off there? The exit from Afghanistan, a total disaster. 
I would submit that Russia would not have invaded Ukraine had he not been so weak. Is that better? Is Are we making more progress towards keeping China at bay as honestly our most ardent foe and threat to our way of life? Or is it worse? They're saber-rattling in Taiwan, conducting military exercises in the Strait. The whole world's watching. You don't hear it on the news every day. The whole world is watching. Yeah, they're showing off their capability to disrupt GPS. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. Setting up police stations under our eyes in clear sight in America's cities. Communist. Unbelievable. And then, of course, we have abandoned the idea of merit under the Biden administration, where outcomes are based on your physical characteristics, not your value proposition, not your quality, not your experience, not your contributions to the betterment of society. No, that's out the window. So how are we better? Now, we can have this discussion without saying, without making any insults at Biden the person. That's, that's irrelevant to me. What's relevant is policies that improve the quality of life. That's what we should be focused on constantly. And we get terrible legislation. We got this dumb CHIPS Act and we, we called it out when they passed it. Now it looks like nobody's going to apply for the grants because, oh, we didn't tell you. You got to set up child care centers in these factories. And all your workers have to belong to a union. Oh, you mean there's strings attached to this federal money? Which would make the chips prohibitively expensive. Of course. Which is why they bolted from this country to start with. Which we, we look at corporations in this country, on the left at least, not as innovators, providers of the goods and services we need to thrive. Oh no, we look them as look at them as achieving their social justice goals and paying all their profits to the government so they can just send them out the other door to their voters and drop it out of helicopters. That's really what they see the purpose being of a business. And so I'm still looking. What what is positive? The the culture wars that his rhetoric is is triggered and exhorted are tearing this country apart, honestly. And to a great extent, it it detracts our attention from the economic matters. And you can't, you can't advance as a society if you can't prosper. It's just simple as that. Now we're looking at $1.75 trillion deficits with no interest in even talking to the Speaker of the House, who has some very reasonable, very reasonable proposals to at least get some start 
on reining in spending. Nope. The only thing they'll hear are higher taxes. Send more money to the most inefficient manager of capital on the God's green planet here. That's what they want. Send me more money. I can manage it better than you can. That's the message. The continuous message. Social Security, Medicare, going broke, don't want to do anything but raise taxes. That's the key. Want to, we played the tape from the Berkeley professor yesterday. This is the kind of crap they're teaching in economics in this nation. Oh, yeah, we've, we've got to tax capital, not labor. These rich people that have succeeded because they produced enormous value for society, and now they've invested their money in receiving some income from that, they got to pay more taxes on that. And by the way, when their value of their assets increases, even though they've not liquidated them and produced cash from such an event, they got to pay taxes. What did that guy say yesterday? Prepay. Did you hear that crap? you got to prepay. Because eventually, you're going to sell it. You're going to dispose of those. How do you know that? You can't predict that. You need to go ahead and prepay it now. Well, what if when you dispose of it, it's at a loss? you going to send the money back? Hell no. That's how they think. Prepay. So we can fund the programs. <laughs> you know, like credits for water heaters and EVs and electrical panels and solar panels. And now AOC has resurrected her original idea of the Green New Deal, $93 trillion. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren wants to pack the court. I saw that. Back on the table, huh? They're so afraid, it seems, they're so afraid of impartiality and objectivity. They don't want that. They really don't. Well, we can't get everything through the Congress that we want, so by God, we're just going to push it through the courts. We're going to push it through the deep state bureaucracy, the Byzantine web of agencies. Just let them do all the dirty work, like having child care provided to employees free of charge in order to receive this CHIPS grant money. I thought the whole idea was to stimulate the production of CHIPS in this country so as to reduce our reliance on China. Oh, you can't do that unless it's all union workers and you're providing round-the-clock child care. Unbelievable. Can't point at all of the truth you want. Libs will say everything is the previous administration's fault. Blame culture. No personal responsibility to be had, says Derek in Greenwood. Only good thing about the Biden economy is in favor of the Biden family. They're making big money. Paula Meridian, to me it is unfathomable that people can't see how bad Biden and his whole family are. Sadly, Paul, they'll say the same thing about, on the other side, it's Trump and his family. Right? So once again, there's, there's no consensus of what's good, bad, succeed, fail, win, lose. Man, woman, we certainly can't agree on that. Big Including team. the last Supreme Court justice. It's true. Refuse to define it, right? And last week, was it 
Health and Human Services Secretary, I believe, got caught up in the same question and wouldn't answer it either. Timmy McGee says, if one of my kids were to go to school and start shooting kids, I did a piss-poor job as a parent. I failed. I hear you, Tim. I agree. Mose, our son, was always well-mannered in public because of one thing. We told him we'd not go there anymore if he acted up, and he loved seafood restaurants. <laughs> That's good. Good scheme there, Mose. We're coming right back with a final segment here on Middays. Please stay with us. Gerard Gibbert, going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. song by Supertramp. That's on the all-hit request line. That's what we need, some dang logic. So the markets are in free fall today. The Dow down 320. The NASDAQ down over 1%. That's because big tech is scheduled to report earnings today. Google, that would be Alphabet, the parent, the parent company. Microsoft, and uh, both of those companies, Meta, I think, is on tap as well. Microsoft earnings growth, it is expected, slowed in the last quarter. So investors are busy selling today. And the I think the expectation is for a recession to impact corporate spending, which is where a Microsoft, their Azure cloud services in particular, they're so this is what's crazy in that world. They're only going to probably show a 20% year-over-year growth. Only 20%. A lot of companies in other industries would die for 20%, right? But in that world, got to show a sustained higher level of growth. On the ceasefire text line, hooker humping makes me shoot Mountain Dew out of my nose. There you go, Rhino. <laughs> If we allow Joe Biden to be reelected, then it's our own damn fault, says Phil and Tupelo. Well, the problem is, Phil, we here in Mississippi only have six electoral votes. We're only 1% of the population, and folks don't think like we do. I can't make that point enough. You go around the country, you, you'll be shocked, honestly, at how different they do think and uh, how their perspectives change. However, in the case of Joe, I just saw a graphic on the Business Channel here that showed re-election of Clinton, Bush, Reagan, Trump, renomination. I guess was the, the the statistic they were displaying, and Joe shows to be lowest of five presidents who sought re-election, who were considering their party was considering them for nomination again as their candidate. He, uh, he weighs in at 38%. So he's not popular. They just don't have anybody else, honestly. Gavin Newsom, I guess, 
There's a reason they're not doing debates. Uh, it's exactly right. Totally agree. I know it's tough on China and Russia when they don't have an asset in the White House anymore. Oh, geez. Are you kidding me? Are we back on that again? Oh, this person probably never left it. He bought hook, line, and sinker into the nonsense. Unbelievable. But then again, reading the text from this person, it's understandable. They seem to be misunderstanding a lot of reality. Well, I'm still waiting for them to tell me where I was wrong. Where did I go wrong on my analysis of Joe Biden's presidency? Economy? Cultural issues? Crime? Border? Status on the global stage? Energy independence? Opportunity? That's what he said in his speech. Opportunity for all! Yeah, tell me again, be specific. Who's being denied opportunity? Now, what they'll tell you is that still in this country, we're denying people opportunity based on their physical attributes, their race, their gender, their ethnicity, their sexual preference. You know what I say to that? Horse hockey. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. People that fit into those minority categories get every preference, every accommodation. I mean, it's embedded in policies, in government, in the private sector. A heterosexual white male got no chance. No chance. A Duke University professor of economics is calling for $14 trillion in reparations, by the way, $350,000 per recipient. Just last week, William Darity, he appeared on Dr. Phil's show, said cash reparations would be designed to reduce the wealth gap between white and black Americans. $840,000 per household. Was, is that a function of systemic racism, as they always point to? It's ethno-narcissism on that person's part. Unbelievable. It would be paid by the federal government in the same way in which the federal government has met the expenses that were paid out for the purpose of trying to deal with a Great Recession. Huh? What in the world is he talking about here? He previously called for 10 to 12... 12 trillion. He's up that now to 14. Hey, what's only money? A couple of trillion here, there. Next thing you know, you're talking about real money. We're out of here today, out of time. Back in the Element Well Studios again tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.